Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. How well do you know your father? How well do you know your earthly father? Now, some say I don't. Some say I haven't seen him for years. Some say he's dead. Sometimes some say he's dead to me. Um, one thing my sons know is that at any given moment, at any time, I am always armed with this little pen knife right here. I have a license to carry this wherever I go. This little pen knife has great, uh, great worth to me. Every time an Amazon box comes, I open it up and reveal the mystery that's in the inside of the box. I don't know about you, but I'm at the age now where I put my coffee in the microwave to microwave it a little bit, and when the bell rings, to me it's like a miracle. I can't remember even what's in there, and I walk over there surprised. Someone made me coffee! So if I have to wait two days for something to be delivered from Amazon and it comes in the mail, I have no idea what it is. So I'm like a kid on Christmas every day when I open up my mail. And this has come in real handy. It also comes in real handy because it has a a, a pair of tweezers on it that you can tweeze things with. And if you've never tweezed things, boy, that's a really exciting thing. also has a little little toothpick, which I use uh, three times a day, and you can imagine why. Anyway, so it's really good. So... Uh, one, one thing that the, the, uh, my children know that I always have this on me, you know, 99.9% of the time I always have that on me. And so uh, uh, Pastor Seth decided that he thought it would be an appropriate gift for every father in this place to have, to be armed in case a terrorist comes in or something. <laughs> So, uh, so he determined that he would arm every one of you. I don't want anyone to be afraid, but uh, if we could have a couple of ushers or somebody to come down and to distribute these things. And if you're a father in this place today, we want to give you these things. You just lift your hand if you're a dad. Raise your hand if you're a father in this place. Go ahead and lift it nice and high. Some, of, some people are surprised. You're a father? I didn't think you had. But anyway, yeah, but... But yeah, so you got, you, got to, uh, you got to pass them out to the people with their hands raised. Raise your hand nice and high. We don't want to miss a single one of you. And it's a little knife. A little knife says, Happy Father's Day. How creative. Uh, that. And it has the Christian Life Center logo on there. And so we hope that uh, that's a blessing to you. And uh, looks like Pastor Seth ordered enough that this is what you'll be getting next year too. So... <laughs> Anyway, that's good. God bless you. You know, it's a, it's a tough job. So how do you honor your father unless you know him? Unless you know anything about your father, how can you honor him? You don't know what he needs. Otherwise, he just ends up getting another tie. 
How can you know what to expect when you walk in His presence unless you really, really know Him? There is an indelible impression made upon the heart of a child by a father. Fathers need to know that. They need to know that when they are tempted to walk away. They need to remember the high call of guiding a young life. They need to know about the residual damage that shatters souls and even hardens hearts towards God and others if they walk away from that duty. Children need to know the imprint of the Father as well. Even when the Father is gone, mine's been gone since 1971, there remains a cord that binds us to them. An imprint that shapes our inner personhood, our worth, our value, our expectations of life often come from Father. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers, to those that do it well, to those that struggle, to those that got more than they bargained for, to those that work so hard day and night to spend one hour having a catch in the backyard, or kicking a ball around, or fishing for a whopper, or putting the clothes back on Barbie, naked Barbie dolls. Dads are an imperfect lot. Forgive our imperfections. And by the way, from all the fathers to all the rest, we'd like to say thanks for the tie. God bless you. Our text today is in Luke 15. It's a father verse. We sang about this. I don't know if Pastor Seth knew that when we were, when we were putting this together. But in Luke 15, if you'd turn there, if you have your Bible, you can turn in your Bible. If you don't, you can use the Bible that's in the pew ahead of you, and you can find that. Luke 15 is, of course, right after Luke 14. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his, uh, to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. 
And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have one, you have, you have never even, uh, you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son of, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Father, I pray today that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us as individuals. Yes, you're speaking today to us as a, as a family, as a church body, as a household of faith. But you're also speaking to us as individuals. And fatherhood is an individual thing. It is how people respond to their parent. And so I would pray today, Father, that there would be something here for each of us. No matter how we interpret this parable, may it ring true in our spirit. May it prod us on to be better. May it give us thought, thoughts of theological weight in our heart to know the kind of a God that you really are. And show us, Lord, what we need to know because we are impatient as your word has already spoken to us today. And we are wanting to grow. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many ways to interpret the parable, but I'm convinced that Jesus has something here for us to learn about the Father's heart. Ways to hear, to, to hear the secret of the Father's heart. So we could look at it theologically and we could say, hmm, so that's what God is like. Or we could look at it as an example and say, hmm, so that's what a good parent is like. Or we could say, look at it from a therapeutic aspect and say, oh, so that's where my father and mother messed up and that's how I need to be healed. There's a lot of ways to look at this parable. May God give you wisdom on how you apply that. I only have a few things to say today, but that won't stop me talking for hours. There are six secrets I find here, probably seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe more, but I'm just going to talk about six. Secrets of the Father's heart. Number one, this is a revelation. Good dads have rotten kids. If there's anything we can learn from this parable, a good dad can have a rotten kid. Right? Come on. We, right? This father represents our heavenly father, and so we would think that he is perfect. And yet, his child is not so perfect. In fact, neither one of his two children are absolutely perfect. The two kids represent the righteous, hardworking one who feels like he's working like a slave and the unrighteous one who ends up working like a slave. You see the parallel between the two of them? They both end up in a slavery that they don't want to be in. But the heart of the father says to the no good, dirty, rotten kid, listen, I love you. How did evil enter this young man? 
What possessed him? Was it just seeing people having a good time on the other side of the fence? Was it the world that we live in? Maybe that's what it was. Listen, Dad, I want to say to you today, quit beating yourself up. Good dads can have rotten kids. But just when the child slams the door with a pocket full of cash as they walk out the door and head into God knows what kind of sin that they're walking into, just when they're living in the mess that they're in, don't give up. Don't give up because the good father never gives up on his rotten kid. That's the first secret. So some of you need to let yourself off the hook a little bit today. Maybe it wasn't that I screwed up. How many of you fathers, by the way, have screwed up as you just testify you've screwed up? Yeah, well, I think it's about 99.9%. The other one's a liar, so that's okay. <laughs> We're all guilty of making mistakes, and yet when we make mistakes, we can still press on. We can push on. Kids have an amazing way of forgiving. They're not like you. They don't hold grudges. Did you ever watch them? My wife has a daycare, for those of you who don't know. And occasionally, one kid will grab a toy, usually a little car or a truck, and whack another kid with that car or truck. Now, we all know cars and trucks are not for whacking, but the children don't know that yet, and they will whack, and they will be crying and finger-pointing and a lot of heart-breathing, and finally the accusation will come out, she hit me, because the women are always more aggressive than the men. She hit me, and, and then there will be a, a, a talking to, listen, you shouldn't hit this one. Let's just take this toy and put it up on the shelf so nobody has it, and everything goes again. And you turn your back, and then you turn back, and they're playing together again. There's the ability to forgive and to let go. Your children who've seen you mess up in front of them, even though you're trying to be a good dad, your children can see that and even see those mess-ups, and they can endure some of that. They can forgive some of that. They'll, they'll, they'll come back. They'll, 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 they'll push through. The second secret is the father doesn't override free will. Now, I need to qualify this a little bit. When they're little, obviously, you can't let them go run in the street just because they want to run in the street, or you can't let them have Skittles for dinner. That, 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 you can't give them the fullness of their free, free will. But your job as a father is to raise up a person who's going to have their own individual will, hopefully shaped to be biblically accurate, have a biblical worldview. That doesn't mean they're going to be mistake-free, but your job as a father is to, and a mother is to point them in the direction and to move them along in a way that, that, that points to, to making good decisions. It's the toughest revelation we ever get. I always say, this is where life is made. To recognize, if I do this, that happens. Right? This is what the children are being taught from first grade on through 8th grade, even into high school, to be honest, many of them into college, some of them into their first or second or third job, that if I do this, then this will happen. There is an accompanying consequence. So the earlier you can show them that they need to make good decisions so junky consequences don't come towards them, that's, that's, 
But the father never, once the child has been raised, the father does never throws himself in front of the bus and says, I forbid you to leave my house and to squander my wealth with prostitutes. The father doesn't do that. The father says, it's your choice. I'm giving it to you, but it's, it, it's your choice. Those are bad decisions you're about to make. There's nothing wrong with warning your child but you can't override their free will because God is going to allow them to make those mistakes because it's in the mistakes that the lessons get learned. Lesson that your child was too thick-headed to pick up when they were little get learned when they get older. And so don't beat yourself up so much. Let them bang their head on the table a couple of times. Let them fall down. You can't catch your children every time they fall. So you have to be able to do this. A father is always training and always instructing, but he can't take the bullet for his son. Some lessons are learned only through failure, and these failures are the things that are going to teach them. So while we pray oftentimes, and I prayed these prayers when my children were growing up, I prayed, Lord, whatever it takes to bring them to You. The scariest prayer you'll ever Pray because some of our kids are thick-headed. You know who I'm talking about. Your kid is so thick-headed that they cannot learn the lesson unless something really heavy hits them. Until they are humiliated and shamed. Until they go through degradation and all this stuff weighs on them. And finally, they, as the young man in this parable, come to their senses. The fact that he comes to his senses comes to his senses there, sobers up in the middle of a pigsty, starving to death. You say, this kid's not too bright. But he was smart enough to remember that Father didn't burn the bridge. The Father never said, well, if you walk out that door, you're never coming back here. Father never said that. He said, I'm going to be like God to you, and I'm always going to have my arms open, but I can't let you do that right here. So if you're going to do that, you've got to go someplace else. But, but son, but daughter, you are always welcome in this house. Because my love for you is so strong that I'm willing to endure your free will. One of my favorite stories by Dave Reaver. If you know Dave Reaver, he had his face blown off in the Vietnam War, but he had an ear that screwed on the side of his ear and a nose that had to be connected early in the morning when he woke up, teeth that had to be put in there. used to keep them all on the table next to his bed. used to say to, say to us that he woke up beside himself every day. But he, he would put himself together, but, but, but he... He had a wonderful, wonderful story of how when he, uh, when he came back and he began to share his testimony, and his ministry was really all about how God got him through having his face blown off in Vietnam. But eventually the Vietnam War ended, and so he, he was able to uh, talk to uh, his, his original pastor. His pastor called him in, and, and he sat at the table. Dave was a big evangelist by now, really well known, and so he sat him at the, at the table and he had a cup of coffee on this corner and a cup of coffee on this corner, and Dave 
said in the pastor said to Dave, listen, uh, now that the war's over, what are you going to do for ministry? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, your ministry's all about the war, and so uh, you've got to make a decision what you're going to do for ministry now that nobody wants to hear about the war anymore. And so he, he was so angry. He said, my ministry is about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And he stood up in anger and walked out of his pastor's house and, and marched off. He went and continued his ministry, a little less about Vietnam, a little more about enduring and suffering difficulties and, and kind of positive revival messages. His, his ministry really did change that day. Finally, after a few years, he got back into the area and he called his pastor. He said, you know, I'd like to stop by and see if we can make things right. When he got to his pastor's house, there was right there where he was sitting was a cup of coffee, half a cup of coffee. And the pastor was sitting in exactly the same spot. As if he was saying, let's pick up exactly where we left off. That is a powerful, powerful healing message. Because if you can say to your child, once they've dissed you and walked away, once they've shamed you in front of God and everyone else, once they've gone off and done their thing, and they come back and you can say, let's start again from Jump Street, right where we were before. You are still my son. You are still my daughter. And I love you. You will learn some powerful things. The Father never overrides the free will. Our parenting purpose is to demonstrate a love that will be so deep that it will always be remembered even when they're coming out of a drunken stupor in the middle of a pigsty after a night with prostitutes. May they remember it's better at Father's house. Uh, my dad died when I was 13. There's always been a father wound in my heart since then. I can't watch movies where the fathers die without weeping. Even Jack Frost gets me a little weepy when he's reincarnated as a snowman and then he melts away. That's a little weepy time for me. Just when I needed my dad, when I was 13, he died. Yet I have come to realize and recognize that the place in my heart there, that wound, is the place where God loves me deepest. God shines strongest in that place in my life. Imperfectly, no doubt, I don't always understand what the Lord is doing, but I am fully and completely loved. I miss my dad, of course. I wish he would have seen that I didn't turn out to be the reprobate that he knew at 13, but I'm pretty sure that when I get to heaven, I'll be able to talk to him about that. You see, the issue for me is to know that even though, I had a friend tell me one time that when you go to pick an apple, if you were God, you'd know whether that apple was fully ripe. You know, we pick the apple, bite into it, and go, oh, that one's sour, not done yet, right? God knows exactly what to expect at that moment in time. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're living your life, your moment in time, God knows exactly where you ought to be, exactly how you, ripe you ought to be, exactly how mature you ought to be. Third thing is, the Father was always generous. 
He wasn't a scorchone. He wasn't always trying to bust on his kid. He was always generous. That was the memory. It might even be the problem that he was so generous that he was willing to give to his child when the child asked. Maybe, a, maybe the, the, the father was so generous that he gave the money to his child so his child could go run off and, and do whatever children do with that money. But he was generous. And that's what came to the mind of the son when he was wandered away. You'll probably wander away. When you do, remember the generosity of your heavenly Father. Remember that He's a good God. We sang about that today. He is a good God. And there is no one like Him. I've never known a love like yours, we sang. I've never known a love like yours. God's supply will be great for you even if you come back to Him as a servant. That's what He knew. That God's love would be great. That He could go and He could have a better life as a servant in His Father's house if He would just humble Himself. So He turns and He comes looking for His Father. The irony is that the Father is out at the end of the drive looking for Him. I picture sort of a long drive on a farm with the father standing out there by the mailbox looking down the road at peace. Maybe he was out there going to pick up today's mail. And he goes out there and he's looking down the road saying that's the way, that was the last place I saw him walking. And suddenly, he sees a son. Or what looks like a son. Broken. Smelly thinner than he was when he left. Maybe he had an STD. Maybe he came in with an addiction. Far, far away from God. And yet, the father standing at the end of the drive sees his son. And then he does something that's uncharacteristic in the Middle East. He grabs his garment, tucks it into his belt and begins to run. You see, older men never run in the Middle East. Would never run because it's a sign of, of, of lowering themselves to a servant status. But the father's love was so compassionate and so gracious that when he son, saw the son afar off, he ran to him. I know this is not new for you, but it's still how we have to hear who God is. God is the God who looks for you while you are wandering away, who stands at the end of the drive and looks wistfully after you, saying, if only my son, if only my daughter would return to me, if only they would come back this direction, I would embrace them with open arms. I would embrace them openly, even though they have publicly shamed me in front of all the neighbors, even though they, they have everyone knows the story, I will run down the road to grab a hold of that son of mine. I love them so. I am so full of compassion for them, even though they are that far off. That is how your father sees you when you wander away. 
that He is looking after you, longing for you. If only you will turn, He will make a great stride in your direction. If you're old like you, like me, you may remember this commercial. I can't remember. Maybe it was a Clairol commercial. The woman was at that side of a field and the man was on this side of the field. Gia probably remembers this, I bet. The closer you get, the better she looks. And so, with the wind blowing in their hair, they're running across the field because she's colored her hair and she's going to look so great when they finally get there. <laughs> and he's running to her across the field. And I kind of see this in this passage. Don't you see it like that? You kind of see the father running and then the son running kind of gimpy, a little scrawny with an addiction and an STD, coming running, slobbering, hasn't shaved for weeks, stinks like booze, comes running to the father. But in the father's eyes, the closer you get, the better you look. Because that's how God sees you. And you may be here today with all these wounds and all these scars and all this stuff that happened to you while you were out on the street, but the Father doesn't look at you like a second-class citizen. The Son immediately begins to confess his sins. Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your Son. The Father never says anything about the prostitutes. The Father never mentions all the money that's been shot. The Father never mentions, never says, what the heck did you do with all that money? Where have you been all this time? You see, because it doesn't make any difference. I don't care where you've been sleeping. I just want to know where are you staying tonight. That's what I want to know. Where are you staying tonight? If you have a wayward son or a wayward daughter, reach out to them today. You say, well, it's Father's Day. They should be calling me. If you have the Father's heart, you'll be calling after them. You'll be standing down the lane looking after them. And you won't mention the prostitutes and you won't mention the wealth that's squandered and you won't mention all the sins. You'll just say, I'm glad to have talked with you today. Well, there's something in here for everybody, isn't there? Because your children, they need to see the brokenness of your heart. They don't need to see your disappointment. They need you to be able to say to them, I love you so much. I don't know why you feel it necessary to be out there when you could be right here in Father's house. They don't need your disappointment. They don't need your shame. Trust me, if they walk out that door, they're already ashamed. They already think they've disappointed you. You don't have to confirm it. What they doubt is your ability to love them where they are. 
God help us. Our Heavenly Father is a God who never mentions your past. He embraces you, holds on to you. Well, just treat me like a servant, Dad. That's all you got to do. Just point me where the servants' quarters are and I'll go work over there. I'll work. Don't worry, Dad. I'll work hard for you. I just want just to get back with you. Bring the ring. Bring the robe. Start the, 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 the orchestra up. Let's bring the fatted calf. Let's have a feast. Let's bring it all together. Let's, let's celebrate because my son is home. God is never ashamed to call you his son. Finally, the other brother is jealous. I've been working like a slave. And the father says, but you're not a slave. You're a son too. The father loves everyone equally. That means you don't have to look down at those people who come in that you don't know where they've been or maybe you suspect where they've been. You don't have to look down your nose at them because the Father loves you just as much as He loves them. You say, I don't know. Some of us come to the Lord and we think secretly in our heart, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we think, I should be further along than I am right now. Right? How many of you are willing to say you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, I should be growing a little bit more, a little more mature than I am right now, but I, but I you know, dragged my feet or I didn't do... We all get to that place where one or time or another where we feel as though we should be a little further along. But the Father doesn't hold that against us. In fact, the Father looks at us and welcomes us and draws us to Himself, loves us like the day He loved us when we first walked into His presence. God is good. He loves us all equally. He loves us differently. Some of us need to be loved a little different because we're different. But He loves us all the same. All I have is yours, son. It always was. Maybe you're here today and you've been looking around seeing how God does this for that one and that for that one. And where's mine, God? And you're treating it. I get up. I write that tie check. I go visit the sick. I study my Bible every day. Where's mine, God? God says to you today, it's always been yours. You're a son. You're not a second class citizen. You're a son. My conclusion today is this. You don't have to be parented like you were parented. You can parent like this father in the Scripture with a, with a love that comes from deeper than your heart. It comes from the Father's heart. You can parent and love your children with the Father's love in a way that will break down walls and heal them on the inside. And let me tell you this. You're not perfect, so it will heal you as it's moving through you. It's the beauty of the Father's heart. When you get it, it starts to heal things in you that allows you to do the things that you need to do for those around you. So know the Father's love. Understand the Father's love. 
Trust the Father's love. Receive the Father's love. And your life will be forever changed. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.